What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine from Clubhouse. I keep saying that over and over again, sounds like, but it's a great place to meet people if you if you know what you're doing. But my man, Adam Smith is in the house. We've had a, like a time trying to get scheduled. I knew I was going to have him on here. And I say I'm unstoppable. I'm, I'm unstoppable. I got him here. And that's all that matters. But Adam's a 17-year veteran, a Green Beret, father, husband, entrepreneur, and he thinks a lot like I do. And a lot of times you hang out a lot of times with people think that the way you do. Although lately we've been hanging out with people a lot that don't think the same way we do. And we try to discuss and have open conversations and debates on different topics to really get to look at other people's point of view and let, allow them to see our point of view. So Adam, I'm excited about this interview. Welcome to the show. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. I'm excited about being here finally too. It's good that we got this taken care of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Well, look, I always start to show the same way and that's with this question. Adam, what are you made of? That's a good question. Should I go existential or just surface? We'll just go well, surface. Well, on actually, this before you answer it, you know that like I always wonder, like, what do people mean when it's a good question? Does it stump them or do they think that I like I always wonder because it's, it's a good I, question because says it, you, you know? go be it's it's a question that challenges challenges you to think beyond the surface level, right? Like there's a lot of questions out there like, hey, how are you doing? But everybody answers this question. What nine times out of ten was it? No, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. When in reality, they're full of shit. They're not actually doing pretty good. They're a crap ton of stuff going on in their life that's yeah. got their head completely fucked up. Yeah. But the question of saying, like, what are you made of? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different answers that you can give to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I get this different answer anytime somebody asks me that when I go on their show. So it's like whatever at the time. Right? Oh, right, right now it's right. Right now it's caffeine, tobacco, and hate. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you take your tobacco? I actually I chew Redman of all okay. things. Yeah, okay. just straight up long long leaf like traditional tobacco. So if I can get plugs, I'll do plugs. It's not something I do all the time, but yeah. Um, when I'm driving long distances and I'm bored, I'll throw a chew in just to give me something to yeah. do. And I'm, I'm yeah. with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't want to admit it, but I did. So anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, let's go deeper than that. Like, what are you made up at this time? Besides um, man, you know, it really, it's a combination of things. It's, uh, it's chaos and purpose. That's what I'm made of right now. I am singularly focused on what I'm doing with regards to creating and growing the company. Uh, there's so many different new opportunities that are presenting themselves. I've gotten a multitude of new speaking opportunities that I'm, I'm stepping into. A bunch of leadership consulting deals that I'm working on, team building stuff. And on top of that, the tactical training, this personal protection stuff that I'm teaching both law enforcement, civilians, and military personnel and home life. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you get, you start a business thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create some freedom. And what you realize rather quickly is that you go the opposite direction. You have the freedom to choose to do or not to do. That's true. However, if you recognize that when you choose not to do, you don't produce, you sort of lose the choice. So you still have the choice and you still have the freedom, but ultimately, if you choose not to do, then you're also choosing not to produce. And when you choose not to produce, everything goes on the back burner and everything slows yeah. down. 
Yeah. So if you, you have momentum, you got you to gotta hold on to momentum. Uh, if you lose momentum, you have to regain momentum. And that's a super challenging process to go through. Yep, 100%. So yeah. with what you're doing, first of all, I guess uh, before I get into your story, I want to hear what you're doing right now. And then I want to have a question about what you're doing, but uh, that involves the type of thing you're doing. Go ahead. So um, I have a company called Savage Consulting LLC. We uh, have a, a DBA called Savage Freedoms Defense. Savage Freedoms Defense is a weapons, tactics, and, uh, and mentality training company. So it really focuses on teaching people how to become better assets for themselves, their family, and their communities. And that's a focus on learning how to use your firearms for what they were meant for. Like, pe- There's a lot of tactical training companies that are out there that teach competitive shooting and cool guy gear. And I, that's, I don't teach that. What I teach is how do you fight with your firearms? How do you create really good situational awareness? How do you become an asset with regards to protecting your family, protecting your community? It's not just about shooting and mechanics. It's about mentality. And that's the thing that tactics, people don't realize tactics is the combination of both mechanics and mentality. Because if you don't have the mentality of application, applying the mechanics becomes very challenging when you have to. That's one piece I'm working on. I'm working on another deal down in Texas right now with a hog hunting company where we want to do corporate experiences down there, very specifically around uh, hog hunting under night vision, which is going to be kind of cool. I'm working a deal with another very good friend of mine where we're doing sort of corporate leadership experiences in Virginia. And we bring corporate leaders or business owners, entrepreneurs, people that just want to experience. They come out to Virginia. They spend three days with he and I. We do basically a leadership development, a business development day. And then we do two days of personal protection, one day of shooting and one day of hand-to-hand. I'm working on another deal right now with a buddy of mine actually in um, Missouri, where we're going to be doing business development and leadership development for a bunch of his clients as well. And so that's going forward. And I just had a conversation about three weeks ago with Grant. And I don't know what's going to come from that conversation. I don't know if we're going to be able to do business or not. I don't know where it stands, but we had a really cool conversation. So I'm hoping that something is going to develop in that space. And rule number one is follow up. So when following yeah, up, I was going like to say, like, that's the key. Like, if you believe that it, it should be something, then it's just a matter of just being relentless. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then, you know, that's it. Because here's the thing like, if it never comes, you, at least you're relentless about it. That's how I look at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, take, you did your part, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, so how do you, the question I had about that when with what you do is how do you figure out what you want to lean into and what you want to put on the back burner and not work on right now when you have, with what you do, there's so many different options where you, you, know, you can put out, right? Yeah. So how do you do that? For me, so I had this conversation with a, with a couple of different clients and then the focus is what, are, what is the strategic outcome? Like what's your overall desired strategic target? And if you understand your strategic target, then you can also understand that your first order actions create second and third order effects. And so what I mean by that is, let's say, for example, I decide that I want to break a window. Well, my first order action is breaking the window. My second and third order effects of breaking that window would be that now it's going to cost me to replace that window. That's down the road. Also, I might have a wound or something in my hand. So now I have medical expenses and medical costs that I have to deal with. So the second and third order effects of the first order action are something that we have to consider and people don't really get into. That's actually what gets people into analysis paralysis. So for me, what I do is I look at the opportunities that are getting presented, and then I evaluate whether or not those opportunities feed other business uh, lines of revenue generation. So for example, is the thing I'm doing in Missouri with that opportunity, will that feed potentially into Texas? Will Texas feed potentially into Missouri? Will Missouri and Texas feed potentially into another line of revenue in Virginia? Well, all three of those things feed into the opportunity for me to generate more keynote speaking engagements and generate more leadership experiences. So every, every time I look at something, I evaluate whether or not it feeds the rest of the business. 
Now, oftentimes people are looking at ways to generate lines of revenue through investments, which is not necessarily the same thing, right? If I'm going to invest in real estate, that's revenue generation personally. That's not necessarily feeding the business. But when I'm looking at business opportunities, I want to make certain that they all sort of connect in a way that feeds one another. So each drives revenue in each each other place and there's no conflict of interest. Yep. 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 But how do you pick the which one to do first when you have five presented to you? What are the factors that you look at? Uh, I I know what I do, but I'm just, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm actually curious what you do as well. For me, it is, it's, what do I want most? What interests me the most? It's not necessarily about making the money, right? Like for me, it's not about making the money. It's what do I want most? What interests me the most? And how can I create the most impact? So if I look at an opportunity that gets presented and I recognize that my purpose in life is to create impact in the world and my mission is however I choose to deliver that impact, then when opportunities present themselves, they are now new missions that are, getting, that are going to go on my priority board. Yep. Right? And when I start prioritizing my missions, I evaluate it through three specific things. One is how many people can I potentially impact through this opportunity? One. Two, how much time is it going to take away from my family? Three, how much possible revenue could be generated? And if I look at those three things and I can find the like impact is the highest, mitigating time away from family is still nominal, and revenue generation is something in an acceptable realm, it's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I make quick decisions because I have a mission that all people are unstoppable to live in life for their dreams. And I know there's a lot of people, oh, yeah, come on, man. Everybody doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah they do. They yeah, just they don't do. know it yet. They got to make the decision. And once <laughs> they make the decision, that's, they're, they're, they're good. They just don't know it yet. Sometimes people are funny. Like, you know, the funny thing about people <laughs> is that they want complication and they think yeah. if you give them a simple, res- uh, a simple um, solution to something, oh, uh, no, that can't work. That's too simple. They- and they want complicated. And so, <laughs> but, but it is true. So I filter everything through that mission. Yep. One. And number two, I say yes very quickly most of the time. If the person I feel aligns with my mission and my core values, yep. And then we figure it out. Exactly. If I, to, if I have to hire someone out to put something on it, I make less money than I would have if I was all full into it. But I say yes to everything, man, if it, if it aligns with my mission. And then I just go. And then we, we figure the rest out later. And if it gets overwhelming, then I just sit back. I, t- I take a step back. Yep. I talk to my team and we reassess and we fix what we need to do. If I have to have a conversation with someone and say, listen, I overcommitted, I apologize. I do that and I communicate. But I say yes way more than I say no right I'm now, especially. Way. Yeah, I'm the and same I think way. both of us are saying like we we like if we're going to where we're going, there's going to be a time like Grant, for example, or or John Lazier that's on that. Like a lot of these guys, they have to say no a lot of times. Yeah, right. But they've gotten probably to the, a lot of their targets that they want to get to. You and I, man, we're we're on a mission. We're we're probably I've done a lot, man, but I still always said I'm just getting started. We're just getting started, right? Oh, every day, yeah. man. And yeah, yeah. and what you said isn't wrong. The funny thing about people is people don't. The reason why people want complication is because the more complicated it is the more necessary they are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you think about creating necessity of self, because people don't find their self-worth and self-value is at an all-time low in general in the community and society. And so the more complicated the answer becomes, the more necessary they are to answer the question. And it also keeps them in a, a place of fear. It's that I, I would rather take, this is the thing that, this is the statement that I hear from a lot of people. I'm afraid to take action because it's, it, it might fail. And what I say to people is good, fuck failure, take action and fail. Because if you kneel at the altar of perfection, you will always stay stuck. But if you walk down the road of excellence, at least you have progress. Yep. And, and people, don't, people don't understand that, right? Because they're fucking, they're afraid. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Be afraid. Take that little fear guy right there, put him up on the shelf, recognize that he's real, see him on the shelf and just be like, fuck it, let's go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it's never a failure if you're gathering data when you're trying something because now you have more data. And then what I've seen is these successful, like super successful people. And I'm, I'm like this now. And I think I've always been like this over the years because I'm stubborn as hell. I'm like, I call it inexorable, unable to be stopped, unyielding. But I go into something and then I get as much as I can from it, right? Any data I can collect, I come back. I'm like, okay, shit, I know this now, I know this. I go back with some adjustments mm-hmm. and gather more data. And each time you go back, the super successful people do that and they do it over and over and over again with new, new data and they build upon it until they don't even recognize themselves and they accomplish whatever they set out. Yeah. You know, it's the so. same thing we it's the same thing we do in the special forces. So that's my you know, for those of you who don't know, I spent 17 years. Yeah, let's in. get in the story. Yeah, yeah most of that time is a green beret. And that's one of the same things that we do, C Rock, is the same concept, right? Like we set up, we have a plan, we create a 70 to 80% solution, and then we execute the plan because no plan survives first contact. Or as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And it's real, it's a real thing. And the most successful people in business, at least from my experience and the guys that I've had a chance to work with, because I've had a chance to work with some really, really successful dudes. Like, I don't know what John Legere's worth. I, it doesn't matter. He's been very successful, but I've, I've also had an opportunity to be business partners and work with guys that are probably six times his net worth, mm-hmm. right? Like it, we're talking about numbers that most people have a hard time even considering be, being real. Yeah. And the one thing that I've always noticed is this, hey, what's the plan? Cool. Go. All right, shit. It's everything. The wheels are coming off. Everybody, stop for a second. Let's reevaluate and reassess what we've learned. Let's make some course corrections real time, and then go again. And they just and they pause, reassess, and then act. Pause, reassess, and then act. And pause, reassess, and then act. And it's not for them. It's not. It's not ultimately outcome driven. They have a desired target that they want to hit. It's more about identifying the solution to get to the target, not necessarily mm-hmm. just getting to the target. Yeah. And that's the same thing for us. We create a seventy percent solution and then we take action. And we, we recognize that when we get into the field, that the plan is never going to go to plan, but we have one, which is good. We also have four. Like for every one phase of what we do, we have four plans called PACE, primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency. And the PACE plan is specifically designed so that we're all on the same page. We're telling the same story. We understand the same desired end state of our, of our operation or our mission. And we all have ownership in the process. And that's man, trying to translate that to the civilian market has been, that was one of my biggest challenges when I first got out. I got lost, Mike. Like I got lost, dude. I, I, when I got out of the military, my entire life was defined. My identity was the color of the hat that I wore on my head. Mm. I was, I was a green beret. It's what I was, it's who I was. Everything I did was that. And I lost my identity and then I lost my purpose and I had no mission to fulfill. And so I, you know, my body wasn't functioning right. My testosterone production was off. I literally couldn't get an erection. Like three months couldn't well, get an erection. Well, before you go any further, don't they want that in the military for you to be to lose your identity and identify as what they want you to be? Yes and no. Yes and no. See, yeah. in some aspects, they want you to quote lose your identity and become identified to the tribe. Mm-hmm. Right. So a big piece is owning the tribe, being a part of the tribe in that aspect. But they also don't want you to lose your identity and the ability to think independently of what we're doing. They don't want groupthink, especially in the special operations community. Groupthink is, is how you end up killing an entire team, right? When everybody is group thinking to solve the, the problem with the same answer versus having independent thinkers think outside the box and identify potential solutions that aren't going to necessarily be black or white. A lot of gray space thinking. And you got to just kind of own who you are and be that guy to do that. So where did it go wrong for you then? Which part? Well, the part where you lost your identity. and, and- It's when I got out. Yeah. When I got out, that's, that's, the, that's when it went wrong for me. Now, well, but what could have been done differently um, to prevent that? Well, one, the military doesn't really have solid transition programs. They don't really have programs designed for people to teach guys 
what it is to step into the civilian market and, and how to be a civilian. That's the first thing. Another thing would be as an independent, as an individual, I thought that I was going to be in my entire life. Like I was going to stay in until I fucking died. And my priorities changed. And when my priorities changed, again, being a fast actor, very similar to you, I just was like, all right, priorities have changed. I don't want to do this anymore because of X, Y, and Z. I'm going to drop my pack in and get out. And, uh, and I had no plan. I had no plan. And I had no idea how to create a plan. I didn't know how to be a civilian. I just, I just didn't. Like The civilian market's fucked up, man, because people don't take action for the we. They always take action for the me. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's, you know? that's true. And if I have to step on your head to get ahead, then I will in the civilian market. That's not where I came from. Where I came from is like, it's all about team, 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 team. If the team succeeds, then the me succeeds. So I want the team to fucking succeed. So I'm going to pour into the team. I'm going to pour into the betterment. I'm going to pour into the betterment of me so I can show up better for the team. Mm-hmm. And that was always the mentality. You step in the civilian market it is not that way. It is, it's like the exact opposite of that, right? And so I'm going to pour into me so I can show up and show you up so I can get the promotion. If I can fuck you, I'll fuck you. So I can get the promotion over top of you as well. And so coming to the civilian market, like, dude, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't know how this works. <laughs> right, this is, right. I've been doing this other shit since I was 17 years old. And now all of a sudden I'm stepping into a world that I have no idea how it functions. I don't speak the language. I'm not that guy. That That's where it fell off the rails for me. Gotcha. And then when did you go into the uh, corporate world first or no, entrepreneurship? No, I actually didn't do either one first. Uh, the, 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 the long story short. So when I got out, I hit the, the very bottom of my life. It was a Wednesday in January. And this was a Wednesday, January, 2016. I dropped my packet. I was still technically in, but I was in the transition period. And I wrote my suicide note. I drank every drop of alcohol in the house. while my then fiance, not my wife yet, was doing her internship for her master's program that she had just finished. She quit school, went back to school for a master's, and then was doing an internship program. And I put a pistol in my mouth. And the only reason why I'm still alive is I was so drunk, I passed out. Like I had this story. I couldn't get anything right in the civilian world. And I couldn't even fucking do that. Right. That was the, that was the worst part. And I well, came how, to, how, how long after you got out, did you do that? I technically was still in, but I had been trying to figure out how to be a civilian for like three months. Okay. Got and you. so, so that happened. And then the next day I got a phone call from a really good buddy of mine. He's a former seal. And uh, he's like, Hey dude, are you, are you back? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, are you back in town? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you leaving again? No, I'm not planning. On. He's like, cool. I mean, what are you doing next week? Well, I don't know. What do you got? He's like, well, I, I want to get a beer with you and all, but like, we got to go up to Northern Ohio and I got to train a bunch of cops. I could use your help. Are you in? <laughs> yep. I hadn't been able to generate any money, dude. I didn't have a fucking job. I didn't have a retirement. I wasn't generating uh, any disability because I didn't go through the process of that. So I was pawning my shit that I owned off so I could put gas in the truck and food in the refrigerator because we were making less than $18,000 a year. And so the next week we went up to Northern Ohio. We're supposed to train like 17 dudes. We trained, I want to say like 43 or 46 dudes over five days. We got back, my boy. My boy, Todd Triplett, he handed me a check for twice as much as what we'd agreed on. Mm. And he said, every time I tell a story, fucks me up. He said, I know where you are. I know how you feel. I've been there too. I can't do this every time, but this is my investment in you. I want you to be a part of this company. So if you want to be a part of this company, I'll see you on Monday. If you don't, that's okay. You don't have to. Just know that I, I love you, dude. And I'm here for you. If you need to talk, you can fucking call me. But I, I just want you to know that I appreciate you and I want you to be here. And then he pulled out a stack of $500 and he gave me $500. And he said, this is for you and your girl to go out this weekend and just do something that nice, get a steak dinner, go to the movies, buy yourself some new clothes so you can show up and look professional if that's what you so choose to do. Take whatever's left over and put it in your bank. Just make sure your bills are paid and you get your feet underneath you, bro. And that was, that saved my life. That moment saved my life because he, uh, he helped me identify that my identity wasn't 
what my hat that I wore on my head. It was the ability to translate my personal experience so that people could make it home to their families. And that gave me a new purpose. So Monday, I was at the office at 6 a.m. It was a three-hour drive. I left the house at three, showed up at the office at six. I sat in the parking lot and waited for them to show up. And then motherfuckers didn't show up till like 10, <laughs> 10 o'clock, dude. And they showed up and I got out of the truck and I started cussing. I'm like, dude, I've been here since six. I, what, what is this? And he's like, bro, this is not the military. <laughs> and then for the, the next three and a half years, I became the director of training of a company called Norse Tactical. And, and we, we trained thousands of law enforcement officers up and down the Eastern seaboard, all through the Midwest, down to Louisiana, up to Wisconsin. And um, it reinvigorated me. It, it helped me help me learn a bunch of new shit. But that then led down to the path of entrepreneurship. I recognized that I loved what I did. I really enjoyed it. And something else was missing. And it was that piece. Like, you know, Mike, you know that moment when you're, you're sitting and you're having a bourbon on your front porch? And like, there's nothing else going on. You're just sitting there on a swing, having a bourbon and something hits you in the right square in the face. Like somebody, it's like somebody literally walked up and punched you in the mm -hmm. mouth. Yeah. I call them cognition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was. And that's, yeah. that's, that was the thing. Like, dude, you're, something is missing. What is it? And that would, then it became a journey to try and figure out exactly what was missing. And that's where I'm at now. Love it, man. Love it. I love it. I, I had, I had one of those when I was in Mexico a month or so ago, same kind of thing as far as, but it was more about helping couples. Because my wife and I have a great today's our anniversary, by the way, 19 years. Hey, happy anniversary, dude. That's 19 awesome. Years. I'm an expert because I spent 19 years of this. But I I mean, uh, I had I had hey, I was just like really acknowledging the fact that I had a great relationship that day and we were on a vacation with a family. And I'm like, shit, all the stuff that's going on. I always think things are worse than they are because I have such high expectations. So I'm work, I work through that. But I'm like, I got I got everything I need, man. And then I was just like, and we figured this thing out, this this marriage thing. And it came to me like you're saying, like I, I need to have a couples mastermind. I need to get around couples that align with us and start helping and supporting other couples and build because marriage is so important to me. Like yeah. I think this, this planet needs marriage, and I think there's a there's a there's a war against it. Not to get uh, political right now about this, but there's a war against it. And people think that when we say that, we have a problem with like people that don't believe that. I don't have a problem with people that don't believe that. I just know that. When you have something that's supposed to function a certain way and you don't have the structure, it won't function the way it's supposed to function. It's yeah. very simple. And, uh, but yeah, I had that same cognition about that, man. But that story, dude, I, I love, uh, I don't like the fact that you had to go through that, but uh, suicide plays a, you know, a, an important role in my mission. Um, I've had three occurrences, not personally me, but uh, in my family with it. And uh, I was just talking to Amelia Antonetti, who you probably know from Clubhouse, and um, she just lost her ex-husband. And uh, same, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And so she's working on, you know, really leaning into suicide prevention. So we could talk more about that and see how you can maybe get involved with, with her and me. And I'm going to, I'm going to do something with her on this. So, dude, I'm, I'm in, I actually, that's one of the things that I love doing is I, I try and do as many keynote speaking engagements for nonprofits as possible that focus on post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury and suicide prevention. So if I can help, yeah. I'm down. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I got you. I'm making a note. All right. So let's go back real quick. I want to talk to, you know, about what's going on now, like current current events. And just talk about, first of all, I want to establish something with the audience that you and I both care about people. You and I both want the best for not just ourselves, but the multitudes. 
you know, I, I, I think that either one of us would, would do whatever we had to do to save a life, no matter what nationality they were, sex they were, anything. And we care and we want the best for the most dynamics. And I think that's what you were talking about earlier is that if people would care about the most dynamics rather than just themselves, they'd get into a lot less trouble and the world would be a better place. So 100%. Establish that between. So when we go up to talk about this, everything we're talking about is supposed to lead towards that and the way we feel about that. So um, with like what's this going frame. I like yeah, this no, frame. It's, it's important for people to understand right that because as soon as we get, you, you, we get talking about things the way we feel about them, and then people just go right to, you know, hate, uh, hate and, and shit, man. And it's, and it's, and it's really, it's really a reflection of what's inside of them. And I understand that. So I don't ever take things personally anymore. I've done a lot of self, self-development, man. Lots of it. I'm a Christian, but I, I've been studying books. Like I talk about this a lot, like L. Ron Hubbard, Grant, turn me on to L. Ron Hubbard, Dianetics and other books that he's written. And um, it just blows my mind how you can understand people better and it makes you better. You know, so I don't, I don't take things personally when people are like that. That's just, that's just a reflection of what's going on inside of them. And I want to help them. So you anyway. want a you want a good book? You want a good yeah, book? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I read like a v- maniac. So. Victor Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. I might have by Victor Frankel. It's yet, phenomenal. If you haven't read it, you have to read it. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, gotcha. it is. It's a book written by a survivor from the Holocaust. Actually, he's so he's a he's Jewish. He was in a he was in a concentration camp, and what gave him the 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 motivation to make it through the concentration camp? was the fact that he wanted to be able to study what was happening and then tell the story and deliver the message of the lessons he learned on the backside. Yeah, that's freaking powerful. Yeah. It, the book yeah. is spectacular. Yeah, I got I think I might have it. I haven't read it yet, but I'll look for it. I just wrote it down. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, with that being said, that framing, let's talk about what's going on in our country right now. Two mass shootings, one uh, race motivated and the other on, on children. And as soon as this happens... We get everybody's sides of their opinions and thoughts on things. And we talked about this offline. A lot of people are just trying to justify their beliefs Mm -hmm. and confirm their beliefs. But what are the thoughts that go through your head as soon as the news pops on something like that? Like, What's the initial thing, first of all, that comes into your mind? Oh, the very first thing is, oh, here we go again, gun control. Yep. That's the very first thing that pops up. Oh, here we go again. We're going to demonize the tool that was utilized, not the person that did the job. Yep. And that it's interesting how when we, we talk about suicide, we talk about suicide, mental health. We talk about drug, mental health. We talk about um, depression, mental health. We talk, about, uh, we talk about addiction, mental health. I think I said that. We talk about all these different things that are all focused on mental health. And then we look at the things that they're doing. So drugs, so people that are addicted to drugs, we don't demonize the drug. We, we, we demonize the mental health around the, around the individual and then try and seek how to solve that problem. But when there's a, a mass shooting of some sort that takes place, then that mass shooting then becomes all about guns, the object that was used, not the person that did the job or the person that took the action. And I, I think that's a, that's a major deficiency because it's simply politicizing the, uh, the trauma and not identifying the causality of the trauma. And that's, that's a huge deficiency. That's one. Two, I just go, man, here we fucking go again. Here's going to be all the crazy news cycle around this. And everybody's going to be speculating as to what it was and why it was and the whole nine yards. And they're going to go down this path of demonization. They're going to go down this path of racialization. They're going to go down this path of narrative fixation. And everything's going to get driven to feed whatever narrative wants to get fed in the moment. And I, I just, I'm, I, man, I fucking hate it. Like it drives me bonkers because it's never a conversation about the real problem. It's not a gun problem. It's not. It's not. It's not a racial racist problem. It's not. It's just, it's just not. It's a person problem. It's an individual problem. It's a person with a significant mental health issue problem. 
And that mental health issue only continues to get driven and, and, uh, and, and it grows and it's fed by all the things that are happening inside the community and inside of society. So you have news media that feeds the mentality and the narrative. You have politicians that feed the mentality and narrative. You have society, a, a, a large portion of society that believes in that mentality and that narrative and continue to feed it, feeds it and, and makes it grow. And it only expounds, like it just expounds upon the problem, right? It just compounds it. It just creates a bigger issue because it's not a gun problem. It's not. It's not a racial problem. It's a person problem. It's a societal understanding of, of ethics and morals and the devaluation of the human condition, right? We've devalued human beings and human life so much in the United States that you have an entire movement called the anti-fascist movement that are utilizing straight up no shit fascist stormtrooper actions and tactics in order to spread a message of being anti-fascist. Like, bro, you can't say that you're anti-fascist and in the action of saying that you're anti-fascist, be a fascist. Like the hip, it's so hypocritical. It's so maddening that, but the thing is, is that people align with it and they align with it because of the tribalism of the United States. And every time this happens, the tribalism grows because people want to just hold up in their far left or far right mentalities and positions. And they just, they just want to come after the other side as hard as humanly possible. There was a time and place in this country where, where the things were like, I have a difference of opinion on how to move forward with the same strategic outcome, which is the betterment of the country for the people, by the people, right? Where the people govern themselves. We were still centrists in the idea that the constitution had a significant amount of import and meaning. But see, even if I say that, then you have an entire population and uh, entire populace of the people like, well, the only reason why there was a central interest is because it was a racist, a racist document designed on the backs of slaves. Well, no, it, it wasn't. In fact, the founders, many of them didn't believe in slavery. And when they wrote the constitution, they left it very open-ended so that it could be amended as it went forward, knowing that slavery was going to be an issue that came up in the future. Mm -hmm. And if they had done that at the very beginning, when they first drafted the document, the United States would have never been the United States, which again, comes back to the historical import of actions and referencing the past in order so we don't repeat it in the future. But God almighty, I mean, we're pulling down fucking statues. We're literally, we're creating, we're creating a division amongst the people again with a persons of color only spaces, right? So you, if you're a white person, you're not even allowed to go into a space because you're not a person of color. Like, dude, this is what Martin Luther King fought against. This is what he fought against. He fought against the division of the people by color, creed, religion, et cetera, down the fucking line. This is my opinion. I want my gay, I want my, I want my gay friends to carry their guns, smoke their weed, get married. And everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm a, a fiscally conservative, socially libertarian. I mean, that's where I'm at. Yep. There, are some, there are some conservative beliefs that I have you know, about abortion and some other really hot topic issues that I personally, that, you know, those are my personal opinions, my personal beliefs. And at the end of the day, like, I fucking signed the dotted line so that I'm willing to give my life in order for the constitution to be preserved and upheld and people to have the freedom and liberty to choose how to live. Yes, sir. And by the way, thank you for your service. I don't like to do that at the beginning of the show because it does seem ingenuine. So thank you for your service. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and, and here's something I want to talk about too. Like, I love everyone. I want everyone to succeed and be unstoppable. But there are principles involved in the way the life needs to continue. <laughs> and, and what's happening, you know, like, well, here, here's an example. I think, and I, I, don't, I don't think this is unintentional. I think we got a lot of smart people in this in, in, in power, I think that this, they intentionally divide to conquer. 
to remain in control. And the answer is to somehow find out who is that person that's doing that or people and figure out a way to sabotage what they're doing. And I have a feeling that somebody's life or lives are going to be have to sacrifice for that purpose. And because I'm sure there's been people taken out that have learned things that they shouldn't have learned. <laughs> and then they try to do something or say something about it, or they didn't even get to that point. And so I'm not stupid. Like I, a lot of the, a lot of people are naive. Like I wouldn't, and again, I, I'm not saying this is the case. I don't want to spread conspiracy theories, but I know it's possible. And everybody on the planet would have to say this is possible for mass shootings to be planned by higher powers. Because, and I'm not saying these. This was the case in any of these, or I, I don't know. I'm not saying that, but I'm not going to think that that's not possible. You know, here's the thing: if, if we shut down our mind to the realm of possibility, then the only thing we do is to seek to prove our inherent bias. What does that mean? I'll, let me elaborate. So we all have inherent bias. Our inherent bias is based on the fact that we have lived a life full of experiences, and every oftentimes the, our inherent bias becomes that's our inherent bias is how we live our life. It's our it's our our baseline level core beliefs, right? Our belief system. Our belief system will drive our decision making processes. It's what builds our our ethical and moral uh, guidelines by how we live our life. They are those things, and they those things fall into the realm of inherent bias, right? When when you see a person taking an action, when you hear someone talking a certain way, based on your code, how you live your life, that will then that will then uh, stimulate an internal response based on inherent bias, right? This is a a bias that we have inherently created based on the life experiences that we, we've had, right? It's not a negative. It's not a negative or derogatory thing. Let me give you an example. If you see a guy walking into Walmart and you see him grab his the girl that he's with, grab her by the arm and and like start pushing her and shoving her into Walmart, and you can hear the conversation that it's an aggravated conversation in that moment, right? We don't know what's happened on the other side. We don't know if the woman aggressed him. We don't know any of the, but in that moment, what I just witnessed instantaneously stimulates my inherent bias, which is that dude's an asshole and is about to get his ass beat, right? That's my code. That's, how, that's my code that I live by. And that's, has, that's created that, that internal inherent bias to how I receive and filter the world through my eyes because of my experiences. And so if you shut down the, the realm of possibility that something is possible, then all you do is seek to validate your inherent bias. So the reason why we see all this stuff happen with, with the Black Lives Matter protests and Antifa and and you see these people that are protesting like outside of the NRA conference. I was at the NRA conference in, down in Texas just last weekend to try and develop business. And I literally walked through the pack of protesters. And as I walked through the pack of protesters, they're chanting and yelling shame and all these other things, right? And the reason why is because all they're doing, you can, and you can't have a conversation. As soon as you try and engage in conversation, because emotions are so high and the lizard brain is so engaged at that moment, that they're literally acting from a place what they believe is self-preservation, which means that they're already in fight or flight, right? So you can't even engage in that conversation because as soon as you do, the lizard brain and fight or flight automatically kicks in. And that's where you get the crazy emotional responses because you can't, you can't have a conversation like that, right? That's because they're filtering all of their experiences through their inherent bias. Right? It's all filtering through their personal experience and their life experience and whatever knowledge they have in order to seek to validate the position they currently have and hold. And when I see mass shootings happen, what I see is a coward is the first thing. I see the demonization of a tool, which is the second thing. And I see an entire populace being driven and divided by the political desires of those in power in order to gain more political capital. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that they do that destruction prior to killing themselves? Why don't they just execute themselves? Why, why do they so many 
some of them don't kill themselves. Yeah, some no, of them, they're, yeah, some of them, they're, they're too, they're too scared to do it. Exactly. They're, they're too much of a coward. Yeah. It is, I think in a lot of ways, but the ones that do it, the ones that actually do it, kill themselves, they commit suicide. Mm-hmm. They had that plan, but they take people out first. There's a lot of different psychological conversations around it. And a lot of it has to come down to notoriety, right? A lot of times it's because the individual hasn't felt heard or has felt diminished, or the individual has felt like nobody notices or recognizes them. The individual has a significant depression and no personal value or personal worth on themselves. Since they don't have value or worth on themselves, they don't have value and worth on other people. And so you can sort of see something very similar, like the value of life. If you look at China, there are so many people in China that the value of life is not the same, right? Also on top of that, you have the CCP and, and it's a communist, basically a communist dictatorship. And they just, they don't put value on life. But then again, if you look at the historical norms of China, it's been very similar. You look at the rise and fall of the, Mongo- the Mongolian empire. You look at the rise and fall of Chinese empires at the time. There wasn't such a value on human life because there were so many people and they just didn't put value around it. And if you look at the current societal norms of that region, it's very similar. Like there's just not that high of a value on the human life. When you come to Western countries, man, human life is one of the most precious things that we talk about. And if you look at the value of human life and how we have valued human life to the extent where we've tried to hide away death, like we've legitimately tried to hide death, right? Burials are very, when someone dies and they get buried in a cemetery, it's all very canned. Like the dirt is covered over with turf. So try and minimize the exposure that this, is, this person's getting buried in the ground. And there's a, an automated winch that lowers the coffin down into the grave so that it's not, there's no violence around the action of putting the body into the grave. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's all very canned. It's all, yeah, yeah. it's all in a way to try and hide the reality of what's happening away from the people in order for us to protect, protect the psyche of the individual participating in the, in the funeral. When in reality, the exact opposite should be happening. This should be the most real aspect of what we've experienced in our life. The reality is, is that every single person on this world And every single person on earth is dying from the moment that they're born. And there's only a few people that choose to live until they die. Mm. There's a big fucking difference between being alive and living. Being alive is just breathing, eating, sleeping. It's it's a basic, basic, basic level of sustenance in order to live. Living is about choosing to live and experience. It's about choosing to go fucking get it, about getting after it, about not just sitting and doing the bare minimum, but doing something that's going to create impact in your life and the lives of people you care about. But we've diminished that. We've diminished the significance of that. And we've diminished the significance of human life in the United States. And we've done it through a lot of different ways. We've diminished the importance of the marriage. We've diminished the importance of a spiritual connection to a higher power. We've diminished the importance to open conversation and dialogue. We've diminished the importance to understand that facts are more important than feelings. And now we've put feelings in front of facts. And if feelings are the most subjective, but the most important thing that how could ever anyone ever listen to anything anybody else says, because ultimately what I feel is right and fuck you. Yep. And we've done all of these things and all of these things are contributing factors into what we're seeing from mass shooters. That all the things are contributing factors to what we see with regards to fatherless homes, a rise in violent crime, a rise in drug traffic and trade, a rise in, in, in senseless murders, a rise in gangland violence. Uh, like we see all of these things happening because of those societal aspects that we're experiencing. One hundred percent, man. And, and nobody wants to take the, the time to do the work. That's going to take a long time. They want quick answers, and the quick answers get rid of guns. That's <laughs> and, and that's not even going to yeah. be a quick answer, really. Nope. But that's just the simplest thing that they can go to. And uh, 
Yeah, man. Look, here's the thing. Just because people don't understand that doesn't mean that we need to stop getting the message out. Keep going. So look, we're we're out of time, man. I could go on and we'll we'll continue this on Clubhouse at some point, I'm sure. But uh, I, I got to respect your time, brother, and I appreciate you. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Man, guys can hit me uh, at Savage Freedoms on Instagram, at Savage Freedoms Defense, or at Savage Freedoms on Facebook. Um, they can also shoot me an email, info at savagefreedoms.com, and then they can go to savagefreedoms.com as well, and they can find me there. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for joining me today, man. And uh, audience, thank you so much for coming and supporting your boy C-Rock and his guests on the What Are You Made Of podcast. You can watch these, by the way, on my YouTube channel, Mike C-Rock Sirocco, or you can go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can hear all the episodes. I think we're almost up to 250. And we're going to continue on with the journey. If you guys haven't checked out Blueprinted, go check out Blueprinted, B-L-O-O, printed.com. It's the new platform with done, uh, I'm sorry, step-by-step guides to achieve anything in life. Go check it out. And until next time. Oh, wait, wait. Don't shut it down. I got got one more thing. I got one more thing. This is the the most important thing I want to say is this. To everybody that's listening, and if you're seeing this like firsthand on YouTube right now, this is the most important thing I could possibly say to you. If there's something that you want, like a desire or a dream, something that you want to achieve, if you continue to sit back and wait for someone to give it to you, then it's only a dream. But if you recognize that you have the possibility of achieving the dream, stop sitting on your ass and go fucking get it. Let's go. Let's go and be unstoppable. Let's go. (laughs) See you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, Mike crock.com forward slash book that's mike c-r-o-c.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy thank you so much for your support and your listenership it means the world to me